That is one big pile of shit. Stop, I'm sick of your bullshit. Ask me if I give a shit. Another episode of the Civil War Motion Podcast. <laughs> for, for a moment, I felt like I like was announcing a race or something. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the uh, Silver Motion Podcast. It's time for a new episode. This episode is on a Japanese uh, World War II era uh, film animation. It's the uh, first feature length animation to come out of Japan. Yep. And it's called Momotaro Sacred Sailors. There's a few other uh, translations of that that I saw. I saw something about divine sailors of the sea or something like that hmm. when I looked it up. But yeah, uh, I can I can see that being translated a few different ways. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Sacred Sailors has a nice little alliteration to it. Yeah. Um. Oh, and once again, I forgot it. Forgot I forgot it. <laughs> what the fuck. <laughs> Uh, I forgot to say our names. So my name is Will and uh, Steven. You're Steven. Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Revealed for the, uh, w- what is this, 50th time, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, hey, you know, maybe it's the first time yeah, somebody's first listening. First and, time for and somebody. Just like, you know? Lord have mercy. What a <laughs> fucking shit show. <laughs> like, what did I turn on? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So this movie, Momotaro, Sacred Sailors. Directed uh, 1945, it came out, and directed by Mitsuyo Seyo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's a interesting film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anytime, anytime you're uh, looking at anything wartime, it's usually interesting. And this particularly is very uh, focused on the war. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know about very focused, you, but yeah, it's it's actually surprised me how uh, unfocused it was. On, yeah, on yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I expected it to be a little more uh, just right in there of hey, we're at war, right? Be patriotic and shit, right? Um, I mean, the, it it's there, but it's not. Yeah, it's it's more subtly done. Yeah, and it's not so like I I feel like the. Yes. Uh, Especially for something like this was commissioned by the Navy. You know, the yes, Navy went yes. and said, hey, make this movie for us to make the Navy seem awesome. Right. And they got this. And <laughs> it's kind of. Yeah. I mean, it, it not that it puts the Imperial Navy in a bad light, but it's. You'd think it'd be a little more focused on uh, recruitment or yeah. patriotism or something like that. Well, what I was thinking I mean, I expected that for sure, mm-hmm. and I was surprised that it was not exactly that, yeah, <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> but um, then I started thinking about the Japanese people as a people. I don't really know how they are as a people, but I know how Americans are, and I know that American propaganda is like we're all about fucking <laughs> patriotism and all this like really bombastic shit. Yeah, yeah. 
and I've seen a bunch of Disney wartime like propaganda era, like where Donald Duck's fighting Hitler and <laughs> all this shit. Right. And that's that that is definitely more um uh more exaggerated and obvious in its propaganda yeah, than this. And, and so I wondered like it maybe it's just a Japanese thing to be more like the, like how this movie is presented possibly because I was kind of thinking of it like and I have not seen a lot of the German propaganda stuff in World War Two but that, yeah, that like the Nazi that. stuff that uh, little clips of it that I have seen in like history classes or yeah whatever. it's usually like parades and military parades and the big flags and That's like true. it's very yeah, yeah. Uh, flamboyant in its right. design and execution and all and this seemed more like hey we're kind of going to make a cute little kids movie and, and <laughs> they're going to join the Navy. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's, it surprised me how, I mean, obviously it's aimed at kids, but just how, I don't know. Like it's, it's cute. Yeah. It has it's all like these little animals. And <laughs> it's kind of innocent in some ways. It is. More so than I expected. I mean, there's definitely, it it definitely has its message running through it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But it just seemed like, it would have been more overt as a propaganda film. You would think that would yeah. be the case, and it's kind of not. It's you can actually kind of separate it from that, and you can't. Yeah, for sure. Watch yeah. it just as its own narrative, and it kind of works that way. It, yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, the uh, what are we gonna say about this? It begins with these sailors four yeah i think, I think. there's like i think there's four there's they're all like animal people there's like the monkey guy and there's some kind of bird like a i'm not sure what kind of bird probably something uh more japanese than yeah when i first I'm saw familiar when with i it. first saw him i don't know i didn't like take a too good of a look at his face and i just saw him like jumping away or something and i saw his big tail and yeah. i thought like Oh, he's a lizard. Th that's what I thought too for a while. Okay, and, it was and like, then when he went, there's a part where he goes to the uh, baby birds, and I thought, oh shit, these <laughs> birds are fucking. <laughs> they're kind of about to get lit up. This, this lizard's gonna fucking. He's coming home and he's hungry, and then he feeds him. Oh, what a nice guy. He's a bird. Okay. Yeah, it was a. Uh, yeah, it, it took a little while to figure it out. Mostly, I just I saw his like his other family members without the naval uniform. Yeah. That because they're not wearing clothes, you can see, oh, they've got wings. And yeah, they're, yeah. They're flitting about, but they've got that same kind of tail he, he's got. And it was right. like, oh, okay, that's feathers, not <laughs> lizard tail. <laughs> but yeah, there was, what else was, there was a bear. I think there was some, something else too. Yeah, there was like a dog or a cat or something. Something, yeah. Something like that. I, I wasn't terribly, like the, the lizard bird thing happened and then there was other things where it's like i don't really know what that is i know it's an animal like there was a bunny i think there was a because there was the one guy with yeah, the real were, long ears and there were rabbits seemed to be like the uh the binocular guys the guys who were like gathering yeah. info and yeah there like was those the guys navigator kind of guys there was like a whole team of them yeah there was the one bunny that i think of um that it like springs to mind he was doing the surveying and he was yeah. uh 
like directing with his oh fucking, yeah 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 the ears, ears pointing and <laughs> <laughs> yeah he had like the deer running rope around yeah and yeah point him with his ears like oh this way this way, this way. that was kind of cool yeah there's a lot that. of things like that in the movie where it's just these weird little animation details that are just kind of silly and fun and yeah just yeah just fun like right just enjoyable entertaining kind of stuff like, which is a good way to get kids to watch propaganda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so at some level, I think that is part of the reason why it's like this. Because yeah. it is mm-hmm. supposed to get under the kid's skin. They don't want to see. It's just like, you know, whatever overt propaganda. They don't want to watch that. Right, right. They want to see something fun and entertaining yeah they want to see some fucking animals build a an aircraft hangar with uh fun animals (laughs) having joyous yeah antics and yeah there there were moments where it kind of felt like a kind of a disney kind of thing with the animals like the rhinoceros is knocking holes in the wood yeah yeah and the the whole little construction scene where they're all running around it just i liked that yeah and they're pulling out the like i think it was the rhinos that they hooked the 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 tree trunks to and they were like pulling the stumps out of the ground and stuff. yeah and they're singing this weird little song that just i was thinking oh it's like the seven dwarves hi ho hi ho like yeah. it, was, it wasn't that song but it was like, right. it was like we're strong and we're working and doing like it was this <laughs> big like let's work and do things yeah <laughs> had i was gonna ask you the there there's an alphabet song there japanese is japanese alphabet yeah. song in this and then i had wondered because uh either either it said it on the subtitle or i read about it where it's like Kind of a famous alphabet song, and I wondered if you had heard it before. Um, I have not heard it before, okay. so that was the first time I've seen that. But yeah, it kind of mentions in the subtitles that it's uh, just an alphabet song. I guess they do in Japan. Yeah, much longer than ours because there's like a hundred letters in the Japanese alphabet. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it was it was interesting to go through it because it was uh, it's very systematic their alphabet of right. going through the al- the vowels in order and then the vowels in order with each consonant in right. groups of five. And yeah, like, like it's, it's more advanced than just an alphabet song. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's it's, also some sort of language component, not just learning the letters. Kind of. How to, how to combine those vowels with, the consonants or something well those are all letters in in japanese each individual e- e- every thing? single syllable in there is a letter to its own no and is written different like, like said, there's like a hundred letters in, oh, okay. in japanese it's, well there you go and that's part of why uh, you don't get words ending with consonants in japanese you don't get consonant sounds one after the other yeah okay. because every single letter ends in a vowel uh, that's what so uh, all right except for n which you might have noticed tacked on to the very end of that song they did the yeah, line, is, yeah it just ends i wondered about that's that the, that's the only consonant that stands alone in japanese every other consonant is followed by one of the five vowels huh look at that just a weird quirk of the language that's cool though i never really had any uh reason to know that or (laughs) any uh, idea of how that would be but yeah that totally that's cool so each vowel itself is a letter 
Right. And then combined with all of those consonants, it is also a letter yeah, it's unto its itself. Its own okay. letter, its own syllable. Like it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to translate because it's kind of basically it's a syllable. Yeah. And but it's they've got this limited set, so it's kind of That's cool. There's stuff like that in Spanish, but there's there's only a couple of them like the the uh two L's is a letter. Oh, right, right. Because it's a specific sound and uh right. well, if you wanted to go that way, you'd have like English and TH or SH kind of combination sounds like that. Yeah, but, but like just like Japanese in Spanish, it's in the alphabet. Mm. Like it's uh like when I w- took Spanish, the alphabet was like 30 letters or something like that and mm. and uh cuz it's a it's its own thing. It's, you know. Yeah, I don't remember that well my spanish classes no there uh that was i think i only had it like freshman sophomore year and then it was that's when i took it audio yeah. so I, <laughs> and then it was audio <laughs> <laughs> so that's fitting um yeah no yeah. i took it freshman and sophomore but the uh the teacher that i had they didn't make us talk they just uh, uh yeah. it was all writing and vocabulary and they really hammered home the letters and writing and yeah. all that stuff um not that i learned how to write spanish or anything but uh then when i went to take spanish 3 he's like just talking in spanish in the class and i looked at my friend that i took spanish 1 and 2 with and i was just like what the fuck <laughs> we're <laughs> in over our heads <laughs> And he tells us, okay, now write a fucking essay, day one, like, what'd you do over the summer? And I'm like, <laughs> I need to get the fuck out of this class. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was rough. It was like, holy shit. I think you learned more than I did in those span. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I learned a few things, but uh, not too much. I think I can count to ten. I mean, I... There you go. You don't know. You don't know beyond that. I know. Um, um, I think I know a few things yeah. beyond that. Not too much. I'll, I I trip up on that after ten probably somewhere. My favorite was always fourteen catorce. Uh, <laughs> see, I would that. have tripped up by then. Yeah. <laughs> always like that. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that was a good. I enjoyed that that lesson in the Momotaro. Yeah. It's a, it's a little fun one, and there's all sorts of weird little moments. Okay. Now I'm blanking on specific ones, but yeah. Yeah. Well, the first part of the movie, it's it's kind of sectioned off into three. They are one overall narrative, but yeah. But it does yeah. kind of uh, at least during the, from the first one to the second one, like it jumps quite a bit of time between one cut and i didn't like i didn't pay attention to that and then all of a sudden i'm like what the fuck is going on so i had to go back and like uh, look like oh okay i know what happened yeah because it, it kind of starts off where they're like coming home from military academy or whatever yeah and it's like they're like they're back home and they're gonna go off to war and they're saying goodbye to their families and right and, and then, then they go then they're suddenly on a pacific island somewhere right and, yeah and they're like they're not cadets. They like t- there's people talking to them about being officers, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess they've been going around for a while, or maybe they went to officer school at the beginning, and that's where they're coming home from. Or yeah, yeah, it's know. not super clear on that, but which is fine. But yeah. I just, uh, you know, I'd rather have 
questions like that than, you know, 20 minutes of explanation. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I don't need all that. We can figure it out. But Yeah, it's kind of... It is kind of weird that it sets up these these principal characters and they're not really principal characters like as it goes on it's just they're they're there but they're, they're there. not and they're kind of focal points but they're right. not really uh center stage for the narrative right it's like they're more just a like a visual consistency of its well like like uh any war army situation they're when they're they start the movie and they are very defined they are their own people they go home everybody loves them right everybody knows them and then as they progress towards the actual battle that ends the movie they're just in with everybody else they're all wearing the same clothes they're all like yeah, yeah. part of this machine the japanese army you know that's uh mm-hmm. so they've become you know they're not necessarily individuals but i always see uh, any kind of army american japanese whatever like at some level as like honing down individuality into like right, becoming right. A, a a vessel of fucking army orders or whatever i don't know right. i can't think of the words but yeah yeah there was uh some part i noticed towards the end when they're in the uh the plane about yeah the parachute down and they have like the bear guy and he's always like rolling up his sleeves and pulling them back down. Like it's just like this <laughs> kind of nervous oh, activity man. that he was just kind of, like he kept rolling them up and down and up and That's down. That's cool. Like, I didn't even notice that. And I was just like, oh, hey, they're like he's got this little thing going where he's. Yeah, he's like, like scared to go. Like this extra nervous energy that he's got to let out somehow. That's and cool. It's just there's just weird little details like that that are just constant through here through the whole movie. Just yeah. things like that where the animators were just really doing it. You know, they were not slacking off on anything. No, it, it's solid animation. Yeah, I thought it was pretty, pretty yeah, I mean, good stuff. Like right when it starts out, it does this whole like perspective thing where like they're walking down, and I think it's probably the bird guy that I thought yeah. was a lizard. He jumps into the foreground and he, he's suddenly like gigantic and then he yeah, jumps yeah. back to the rest of the guys and, well, and it does that several times where they're like walking towards the camera and they just get really big and it's right. just like, whoa, they're really, you know, doing this whole perspective. And I noticed there was a thing where they were in the foreground and then in the background there was like a bird doing some shit <laughs> and it was out of focus and it was just and it was but it was all animated and it was like, Jesus, how the fuck do they do that? <laughs> I mean, this is after Snow White, so multiplane cameras are are the the idea has been around for a while, and uh, so I'm sure there's some of that going on. But but just the out of focus, because usually you don't get out of focus anything in animation, really. Right. Like maybe right. Usually, maybe nowadays you do, but yeah. I mean, if if you do, it's deliberate. Right. Right. Like, you you don't just accidentally have this out of focus plane of right background. well and like, it seemed it seemed deliberate here too yeah but it was just so like wow like it's like uh citizen kane is amazing because it does all this shit in 1941 that you don't fucking see until like way later mm-hmm. it's just trailblazing and so that kind of thing like wow 
this shot of this fucking out of focus bird <laughs> like jesus that was that's like way advanced yeah yeah and, and shadows like they're always walking past something and yeah, going in and out of that. shadow yeah. there's a lot of that and yeah just tons of things like that where it's just really going out of its way to make it look good in yeah. ways that just really has no need to do except that they just did a damn good job with it <laughs> yeah they were they were really uh they believed in the uh, the the message of the navy. <laughs> These good patriots, Japanese patriots. Yeah, I mean that the booklet that came with it kind of talks a little bit about that. Of like, if you're an animator in wartime Japan, you basically had three options. Yeah, you you made propaganda films, or you found a new career, or you joined the army. Right. <laughs> it's like you had that was it. You either. <laughs> You went to war, you animated about the war, or you just starved on the streets because there was no other work. Right. And well, that's that's the same thing that happened in the U.S. as well. Yeah, yeah. Like and Walt I'm sure... Disney just totally converted to mm. propaganda films for those years. And uh, yeah. and I know Captain America specifically was, like, going off to war and stuff. I'm sure... I know Superman and all that more, too. Like, it was yeah. a... Yeah, the whole industry. I mean, they were still making movies during that time but uh right um, a lot less yeah i recall some i i forget what movie this was this was some movie made during world war Two, and and after it had screened or something somebody like went up to the director and he was like dude like where did you get all these extras for this part like <laughs> like how do you get this many people everybody's gone to war like where did you find all these people he's like oh well if you look like really closely you'll find like that there's like a hundred mannequins in the back <laughs> like they're it's like they're not actually actors i just threw some mannequins uh, with clothes funny. on them up there <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to do it yeah it was and so and japan had that same situation where yeah and there's actually one of the most interesting things that that they mentioned in that booklet was and there's there's some like dark scenes in here not content wise but just the image is just really dark and blurry yeah in the end and i'm and i'm i was never sure how deliberate those that was or not but there's something in the booklet where it says that uh the supplies were in such short demand that they actually uh, as they uh, made the animation, put it onto film, yeah. they would take the cells and acid wash them and oh, reuse okay. them because they didn't have enough cells. So they were actually destroying the original artwork as oh, they were wow. making the film to nice. make the rest of it and reuse the parts of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so as it goes on, like, so I think like a part of that is this, these reused cells getting oh, blurrier okay. and blurrier. Huh. Wow. And so there's kind of a, but yeah, it's just like, all of that weird stuff going on and and in that situation to still be putting out something this well animated yeah it's quality yeah yeah they no corners cut anywhere no i mean i i don't know what i expected but <laughs> i thought i i didn't expect it to look so good i don't know yeah not that i expected it to look bad but uh yeah i mean um, it was surprising yeah i'm kind of uh, I know you had kind of gone out of your way to uh, transfer the Blu-ray copy instead yeah, of the DVD. Yeah, because I want to <laughs> see the full deal, yeah. yeah and and <laughs> it's a really good thing you did because yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really quality right. uh, production. So, Yeah, for sure. It's, it's very nice. Momotaro. 
Yeah, he's. Uh, I thought he would be. Yeah, a big part of this movie. But yeah, he's I thought he really would be not. more of a. Yeah, I think he'd be more central stage to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's named after him. Um, he's he's there. He's like the commander yeah, of the he, yeah the force. He shows up at some point in the middle or something. Yeah, fucking and comes off the plane. Everybody's yeah, and there's like, this oh, big shit. hole. Like, yeah, it's this whole oh shit <laughs> moment. Of, oh, here he is, and he like walks yeah. off out of the shadows, and they do they do a lot with that too. That's uh, I, I recall some scene when he's flying the plane and, yeah. and and he's like looking around and it's like his face is half shadowed and they did, some, they did a lot of really cool visual stuff with it. Yeah. There. Um, but yeah, he's then, then he's just kind of like, yeah, he's there, he's in charge, but, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much all he is. Yeah. So you told me previously even, that what, yeah, I don't even think they ever said his name in, in the movie anywhere. Honestly, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't it's just kind of, you got to, figure out oh hey that's momotaro he's he's on the cover he's <laughs> right right <laughs> so i'm i assume that's him he's got and the only thing i'd seen that really identifies him per se is the patch on his shoulder is a peach i did notice and that yeah i think all of the soldiers had that like oh they all ha- oh because they're all peach battalion or whatever. yeah they're they're, in, they're under his <laughs> command they're, it's, they're the, the peach boy <laughs> brigade <laughs> Which, uh, which I guess I should mention for the uh, people unfamiliar. Yeah, that's what I was going to uh, ask about. Momo means peach in Japanese, and Taro is kind of a... I don't know if it just means boy or if it's... Because I've seen several uh, things with yeah. that na- as a name, Taro as a boy's name. Yeah, Rintaro? I, yeah, Rintaro. <laughs> but that's a that's a pen name. Okay. Well, so, you know. That's a little confusing, but um, there's another one that is actually in this movie. Even yeah, in the in the beginning parts, there's uh one of the guys when he's at home, he sees this little toy figure of a of a person that's yeah, got, that is a, a different uh, kind of f- uh, fable character of uh, Kintaro. Oh, good old Kintaro. <laughs> so he, which Kin means gold, Kin means gold. Gold boy. Yeah, so he's and he's he's another he's like, like a, a wrestler. Yeah, he's he is. He's kind of like he would wrestle bears as a boy. He's kind of I don't oh, know, kind a of guy. a Davy Crockett kind of a <laughs> Japanese Davy Crockett or something. Sounds I don't like know. Sonny Chiba with those fucking karate movies. Yeah, <laughs> fighting bears and shit. But yeah, there's so there's legends of him being like the strongest boy in the world. Oh and, wow, and he'd wrestle bears in the forests and nice. So he's a different legendary character, but Momotaro. Um, I don't actually know a whole lot about him, but he was like found in a peach, like some, as as you might find a boy, you know, yeah, and <laughs> Just inside a peach. I've, I've heard him kind of referenced as kind of the Japanese Tom Thumb. Was it inside a giant peach or, or no, a no, peach a, size peach, like a, a, a regular peach? So he's and pretty small starting out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tom Thumb, I guess you would. Yeah, think. like that's where the, the where the uh, parallel to Tom Thumb being that he was just a this little tiny kid who would run around and that's go so on adventures cool. and and then he ascended to being a general in the uh, Japanese navy yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently, this is a sequel to a much shorter film where he. Uh, was also this kind of war hero kind of a yeah i was gonna mention that i i saw that on the uh, wikipedia that it was a it was a sequel and then i also found that that was is is on dvd too oh hey if you're interested i was not sure if that one had survived because yeah uh, it's a lot of japanese cinema was basically annihilated after the war um because a lot of it was like this propaganda stuff and 
uh, the American army went and said, okay, we can't have this right. spreading underground and turning into this cultural movement. We're going to take all of these things and just destroy them. And so a lot of like war era uh, films and things were just completely wiped out. And it's sad. <clears throat> this one was apparently uh, rediscovered in the 80s. Oh, okay. five or something. It mentions it in the booklet. What year it was found? In yeah, the... I saw a VHS when I was searching for it. Like it's some Japanese VHS. Mm. And yeah, because so... I guess it was it was found in the eighties, and the booklet kind of mentioned it was found in like a Japanese warehouse of like the Imperial Palace or something. Oh, or, okay. Um, and it said, yeah, that's a, that's a plausible story, but there's rumors that go on that it was actually preserved in America, that so, that somebody had brought it to Amer uh, okay. some American soldier or something had brought it home and then, like, snuck it back into Japan so it could be discovered in Japan and be oh. like, <laughs> which seems a little weird. Yeah, I don't know about this conspiracy, <laughs> but... It was like, well, I don't know, but... I mean, I don't know. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, whatever. I, mean, I could imagine somebody being like, what are we doing burning films? Initially? Yeah, I could see somebody saving it, but then to sneak it back yeah, in that's so then it weird, could be yeah. discovered is a little shaky to me. But yeah. who am I to say? Yeah, maybe, maybe in any case, crazy. they, they but yeah, found but it. it. But it, has, it was found. Now it's been uh, digitally remastered on Blu-ray. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. I liked that... Um, on the edges of some of the frames you could see where they like they didn't animate all the way to the edge of the background so there was like um like you could see the characters like coming on screen like a little bit there was just like i don't know how to describe it there was like a little strip that wasn't mm, you yeah. know it was like a hard line where the character stopped but the background kept going mm, and i, I enjoy that you could see every little bit of the i didn't uh, notice that but yeah i can I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, there's a part when the there's a plane lifting off, and like you can see the the edge that's theoretically not supposed to be seen, right? Like, where they're still drawing on like a wing or something, and then there's a part where they're all like eating at a table, and it's uh like a panning across the table, and mm -hmm. and it, on both sides it's like this hard line where you can see like the drawings like being drawn as the animation <laughs> sort of thing. Like, I don't know how to, you know, it's yeah. weird, but uh, I appreciated that. Yeah. Get a little, uh, extra on the edges than what would yeah. have yeah. possibly been shown in theaters. Yep. But, uh, <clears throat> this was apparently a, a very influential film on, uh, Osamu Tezuka. Yeah, I read that that he that he, he saw it, that it was uh, in, inspired uh, Kimba the White Lion, which is one of his bigger it's a, series. It's a big of, thing, yeah. Uh, I guess it actually had a American TV broadcast in its day. So wow, not that I ever saw it, but I've met people who do remember it and be like, oh, hey, oh okay, yeah, I watched well, that as a kid on TV. It's before your day, correct? Yeah, yeah, it would have been like. I don't know, 60s or 70s yeah. or something. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it would have been. I don't know when it would have had an American airing. Right. Yeah, and we'd never know about these things. But. Yeah, I'd have to look up dates on that. And, and we don't go looking up stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, we don't want to do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> Give you some homework for you, yeah, your folks you at home. Know, I don't know if you care. Look it yeah. up yourself. 
So it was uh, one of those things he saw as a kid, and or at least as a young young man in yeah, I don't his know, teens or something. When he was, was born, but uh, 45? Yeah, he was, I think he was a teenager then. It mentions, it, do, it does mention that in the booklet, that he was. Oh, okay. So he would have, he was in his teens somewhere when this was going on. So this was a big influence on him That's to cool. give him the wonders of animation as a something he wanted to pursue yeah that's cool the, um i don't know a lot about kimba the white lion but i do from the, the the stills that i've seen it's a white lion in a jungle a bunch of other animals mm-hmm. there's yeah. a lot of uh animals in this jungle yeah in yeah. momotaro so I, I can see how that would have been the kind of the inspiration yeah. board of animals running around right, and, right. and they're like doing their own thing yeah I mean, here they're helping the Japanese army build a Air aircraft base, and, base. And, yeah, yeah. So and, and then invade uh, <laughs> an island, uh, yeah, Devil's Island. That was a yeah. No, I looked that up too. At the very beginning of the movie, they mentioned something about a specific battle, Battle of Manado or something. Mm. And so I looked that up, and that was an actual thing that happened in forty-one mm. or forty-two, where where they. They attacked this island and I liked how it was framed in the movie where they were attacking this island but they framed the westerners as like well they originally the, the westerners came and took over this island so we're reclaiming right. the island basically yeah it was it was fascinating to see the justification for things yeah well and, and that whole silhouette thing was really cool yeah like, that was well really animated. Yeah, yeah that that's one of those like why the hell did you do it that way because it's cool and yeah, artistic no, it there's awesome. there's like yeah. no reason to do that other than just like the, for the like as a propaganda film, there's no particular reason to yeah, yeah put in that kind of an effort. Like it's clearly the the artists doing this were just doing this out of uh, just an artistic desire to yeah do something cool and like the coin flipping around. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Like, and, and it's yeah, it's a very impressive scene there. Where yeah, that one I guess is maybe not rotoscoped, but. Um, but uh, based on live act, like they animated it from live action okay. footage. Yeah, it did look really like the movements were very natural. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not sure if it was properly rotoscoped. I don't know if rotoscoping existed at the time. But yeah, like you were sure. saying, of like advanced techniques for the time, like they right. were they were definitely using live footage as reference, if not uh, copying it directly. Yeah, and that's I mean. Animation had been around for a while, but, like, it's still really early days for this stuff. Right. I mean, the first U.S. one was Snow White feature length, and that was, I don't know, 37, 38, something like that. The first first Asian uh, feature film is a Chinese movie called Princess Iron Fan, which is a, a story from Journey to the West. And that was 41. Mm. So, yeah, I yeah, mean, we're, it's, we're it's really the beginning of animation. There's a, a there's silent era feature films, yeah, too. Yeah, a lot of oh, oh, feature films, okay. There's only, like, a couple. There's one, Prince Ahmed. Um, that's, like, something in the 20s. But I don't mm. know how many there are yeah, and before that or after that. Mostly or 
previous that it'd just be like little short things yeah there's tons of short stuff for sure but uh yeah the uh a lot of techniques have not been developed then. right right and i mean like you were saying with uh citizen kane that was at 41 you said yeah and that's that's you know pioneering a whole lot of things even in live action cinema so, right right I mean, a lot of development has yet to be done in right in for sure both forms of uh, yeah it's all very early days um but th- that was the thing too about this movie 1945 it came out it came out in april 1945 the end of the war is like was right there yeah later in 45 like uh i think september yeah it's uh, I, uh, very close to the end there yeah. right and so it's just like man i mean by 45 it's just like it was kind of uh hitler's on this last legs and pushing him back and it was yeah i think by 45 germany was kind of out it was kind of japan was all it was left at that point yeah i mean it's a rough time and they're still they're like well we gotta pump this <laughs> propaganda movie out it just seems like an odd uh yeah, odd time a, to go for that, but okay. And it, it, I think it mentioned at the beginning that it was completed in in like December '44, yeah, yeah. and then it like actually hit theaters and stuff. But they they do talk about that in the booklet that this was not seen by many people. That that most of the yeah, heavy population that. centers like had been evacuated. Right, and not many theaters were showing that. Like that's there was not a lot of theater going at the time. Right, that makes sense. You're going to go to the movies. And like very few theaters would be showing things. And yeah. so things had very limited uh, runs in a theater. And But one of those kids was Tezuka. And look yeah. at him, you know, fucking yeah, he, changed uh, the whole got Japan. Inspired. And, and it's crazy. Yeah. Jesus. So uh, in, in the direct lineage of anime. Yeah. This, this yeah. movie is a big, big deal for it. And for sure. Certainly uh, set up a lot of... Uh, people and a lot of ideas a lot of uh styles and themes and things to visual narrative technique to inspire people so yeah it did did a lot so it's uh it's nice that this one survived and yeah it's very nice that was that's what i was going to say the uh the the movie that this is a sequel to it's on a dvd set that's eight like old ass Japanese ah. animated films yeah. that were like found or whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna have to track that down. Yeah, it's I, I pulled it up on Amazon so I could show you, but uh I'll do it later. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna, you know, have five minutes of the podcast just staring at an Amazon right, listing right. No, that nobody wanna, else can see. I don't wanna do that. <laughs> um also uh Peach Boy do you know anything beyond like he's found him in a peach and then anything other than that? Nothing or? specific. I usually see him like referenced in anime. Okay. And usually it's just like being found in a peach is enough to reference it. Okay. Like uh, Urusei Yatsura does it where uh, the some character gets introduced. He comes in on a spaceship. It looks like a, a peach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think more specifically, it looks like a Japanese kind of a weird Japanese kind of fruit. But anyway, it looked kind of like a peach. It was kind of okay. bigger than what I think of as a peach. But yeah, 
was there and he just gets out this like butcher's knife and he's gonna chop it in half he's like mm, this looks delicious he just finds it on the counter he's like oh so i got a peach yeah and then just chops into it and it like splits open and the little kid inside kid is like, and and that's immediately what he says he's like that's mojo what the fucking hell like <laughs> huh but, yeah I just imagine that there's some kind of story beyond that, but maybe not. Who knows? Um, I'm sure there is, and it's just I have not uh, been familiar enough yeah. with uh, Japanese okay. folklore to... Well, I just want to say that uh, when you showed me this, uh, and I was like, oh, Peach Boy. I know of Peach Boy because uh, it's there's a Taiwanese series of movies from the 80s. Huh. Called uh, Peach Boy or the Child of Peach, however you want to translate it. Hmm. And I haven't seen them, but uh, I've seen clips, and they're fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, really crazy, over the top, eighties wuxia shit. Ah. And so I don't, I, I don't know that those are just uh, made up tales or that, if it's based uh, on the the original uh yeah i could see thing, that uh, just being a coincidence but i could yeah. also see it as uh just a kind of a common folk tale that shows up in multiple cultures in the area like uh like little red riding hood or yeah. being something across europe not just you know it's not right right specific to one culture it's just there's different variants in different cultures but Pretty much anywhere in Europe is going to have that as a <laughs> traditional folktale yeah. in some form or another. So I could see that being a, something that is just a typical folktale situation in Asia. But Yeah, know. I don't know. I'm just I'm curious about because I, kid comes out of a peach. I, I, what's next? Because <laughs> I, curious cause I kind of see this as something um, of a, a theme of some sort because there was also... Uh, the tale of Princess Kaguya, yeah, which is also based on a folk tale of this little girl found in the bamboo that That's the right. woodcutter right. chops open, and so I, I kind of feel like maybe there's just a kind of a theme of that in uh, huh. Asian folk tales, that, or at least in Japanese folk tales for sure. Yeah, where they find a kid born of of some nature yeah, object, and huh. yeah, hmm, so. I think it might be a a bit more of a just a widespread theme rather than a, yeah. a specific oddity. There's also there's a a Chinese folk. I don't wanna, I don't know if he's a folk hero, but he's from folklore mythology or whatever called Nacha, and he he's in heaven with all the the deities and stuff, and he's kind of this mischievous mischievous child. And uh, there's a tree that grows peaches there, but uh, it takes 10,000 years for the peach mm. to grow. And then right. 10,000 10, years for the blossom to come out. 10,000 years for the blossom to turn to a fruit. And then 10,000 years for the fruit to ripen to where it's, it's edible. And so the, the not just story, uh, the, the mischievous kid sees the peach and it's just like, oh, it's ready to eat. And he pops it off and he eats it. And everyone goes apeshit. And then, uh, but anyway, it gives him these fucking special powers where you can do all kinds of magic and shit. Mm. It's very fun. 
Yeah, I think I've, <laughs> I think I've heard of that and not really known much about it. But yeah, yeah. The, the name, I think one of those Journey to the West movies or something mentions that or yeah, describes no, he sh- it. He shows up in, in, he's a separate thing from Journey to the West, but I know that he's in a lot of tellings of it. And uh, I think he shows up in the book at one point just as a little brief thing but he's a thing that existed you know outside of that already mm. okay. so but uh yeah it's a another peach myth or legend or something. yeah so. yeah and i not the same thing obviously but uh yeah, it's related in right. some form peach peach connections yeah <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to peach connections <laughs> <laughs> the show where we talk about things that are related by peaches. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I I have uh, the first of those Taiwanese Peach Boy movies. And so yeah, one of these well, days we'll watch yeah, it. That's uh, something to look forward to. Yeah, I still got to find the, the sequels. But uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, there's... Uh it was definitely interesting to see uh, the Japanese kind of uh, how they justified the war and how yeah. they presented it as uh, liberation rather than, than like anti-imperialism kind of like. Right. Like, well, in that specific island. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And I guess, at least from what the booklet is saying, that that is a part of the broader uh, message that the government was pushing at the time of. Uh, being this protector of Asian culture that the yeah. West was invading and going to take over and push their culture onto everyone. And, and yeah. Japan was the only nation that could stand up to them. And and there is there is a little bit of a historical truths to hang that on. Of For sure. For I, sure. White culture has certainly not had a history of being friendly to uh, other cultures. Right. And yeah. You know, and you have things like uh, the Opium Wars going on in China and, and China basically getting its ass kicked. And you suddenly have this uh, yeah. historical fact to say, hey, n- nobody else around here can stand up to these guys. We're we're all that's left. It's all, it's us right. versus this this dominating uh, foreign Western culture. That's <laughs> that's pretty ballsy of, of <laughs> Japanese uh, Japanese people. I mean, they're. I don't know the population of Japan, but they're relatively small compared to the Western world that's trying to colonize the, the all yeah. the yeah. you know, and, and it's just like damn, I yeah, and, and but at the same time, I can kind of see. I mean, England is just a little island nation that that's basically true. conquered half that's the freaking world. And they are small. I never really thought of that. And so yeah, it seems like I don't know. I mean. And Japan has certainly, uh, I think, at least in that area, Japan was kicking butt in most wars it was in. At, yeah. In, the, in that part of the world. Yeah. I, I'm sure there were a few, like around the World War One era stuff, uh-huh. they were at war with Russia over okay. like the northernmost islands of Japan. Yeah. Okay. Or, and huh. it's just right there kind of near the Bering Strait where like there's that little tail end of Russia that yeah, yeah. you don't really think of think about much but that was that area has been like contested between Japan and Russia for like centuries and Oh wow. So there's and Japan I think usually comes out on top in those so historically 
I, I could be a little wrong on that history, but I'm pretty sure Japan won at least one of those wars. Or something. I know there were a couple of wars between yeah. Japan and Russia, and and Japan got those northernmost islands that they wanted and Russia wanted, and so there's and there's also I mean. And the U.S. was expanding into the Pacific at that time. I don't think Hawaii was a state yet. Yeah, I don't know. But it was definitely a, a territory. Yeah, well, yeah, they, they bombed us at Pearl Harbor. Yeah. We were already there. So. Yeah, I don't think it, Hawaii had officially become an actual state. I think that happened yeah, I think after that the is, war. Yeah, I think it is I, after I want to say war. like 48 or something. Wow, I mean, you're gonna drill it down to a specific year? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. That's wow. that's my guess. I'm, I'm gonna say fifty-one. Fifty-one. Okay. Yeah. Should we look it up, or should we just <laughs> let it ride? <laughs> I don't know. Do we, do, we, do we want this to be our our battle of the uh, uh, odd facts? I don't yeah. know. I'll probably can't do I've, it fast, but yeah. But let's do it. One of the things I kind of wanted to look up and uh, as always forgot to do was oh, here we go see so you look up one thing and then you're gonna look up something else yeah yeah and then it's just gonna be a total shit show yeah but yeah i was thinking like because you know we've got territories in like guam and places yeah. like that so i'm not sure when that happened if that was because of the war or after but we definitely had hawaii by then as a territory holy shit Hmm. Just gonna leave that. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna explain that. <laughs> no, uh, I, holy shit! Hawaii became a state in 1959. Oh, geez, wow, it's, it's way out there. Wow, yeah. dang, that's a lot later than I thought. Way out there. Look at that. Well, you want me to look at Guam too? Well, I guess you win. You were closer. We're gonna yeah. play by prices right rules. Or okay, something. all right. <laughs> yeah, come on down. I win a come on down. Uh, Guam. When did Guam become a Guam? That's a weird Guam. This is a weird word. Weird yeah. word. Mm-hmm. Weird word of the day is Guam. <laughs> uh, Guam. When did you become a? Guam. Jesus, look at all that. <laughs> it's got history? What? It does. <laughs> it existed before we took it over? How Guam. It, it's like <laughs> I'm trying to look at the date, and then it's it's uh, it doesn't even have a U.S. thing. Huh. It just has, like, it apparently was part of the Empire of Japan at one point. Yeah. During uh, the war. Yeah. So 1941. That's probably... It's probably when we took it over, yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, we probably got that as part of World War Two. Guam was captured by the Japanese hours after the attack of Pearl Harbor. Occupied the island for two and a half years. American forces recaptured the island July 21st, 1944. Remember that date. There will be a quiz mm. at the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then I guess from there on it's an American thing. I don't know. Yeah. Good old Guam. Yeah. Who knew? Th- that was, I was going to say that about the uh, the island that they take over in this um, is now part of Indonesia. Ah. So that's where they were in the... Uh, 
and yeah. see at that at that point of in in, mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, there was something I was gonna mention about that. Like, they call it Devil's Island in the movie. Yeah. And you look at the map, and it's just like Devil's Lake, Devil, like everything yeah, on everything the map was, was like Devil's, Devil yeah. something, like everything on that island was Devil this or that. Right. Like. And somewhere in that booklet, um, it gives an actual, like the actual Japanese phrase they say to describe it. Okay. And I realized it was like Oni something. I think it just meant like Isle of Onis or something, which I've mentioned before. They are these yeah. kind of demon figures in Japanese folklore right toxy kicks their ass in the streets of japan right right <laughs> and it was something that even when i was watching the film and hadn't uh, looked in the book yet and realized that okay um, i kind of noticed that the the enemy generals at the peace negotiation thing they have horns i did see that they had horns. and i was like yeah. oh i wonder if they're like just being shown as oni i mean they don't have a lot of uh, oni characteristics they aren't wearing right tiger striped uh, shorts or anything yeah, i but, wonder what the fuck those horns were and i was like oh i think they're kind of like it like they're kind of portraying them as as oni maybe and oh, then okay. i saw in the booklet that the island was oni something or i was like whoa that there you i go. guess they were <laughs> and so the oni are are a uh demon sort of uh devil or something yeah they're kind of they've Bad in, boys. <laughs> in in the past, I've seen them translated as demon yeah. or monster or something. Like it kind of varies. Nowadays, they tend to just call them oni because in yeah. anime crowds, it's a well enough known thing that it doesn't need translation per se. Okay, but, isn't there a game called Oni? It sounds like something um, like uh, something yeah, familiar yeah. to me. Yeah, I think there is. Like like a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, something yeah. like I don't know. 10 years ago, 15 years some, ago. Yeah, I think there was some PlayStation 2 game. Yeah, something like that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to derail. Yeah, you've uh, reminded me of this right, bizarre right. thing in my memory that had no <laughs> association to anything. Now that you mention it, yeah, it's an Oni. <laughs> They're mentioning Oni in that title, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. but Yeah, so... So they're portraying the... Uh, the the enemy as yeah. oni yeah so. i liked how they were drawn because the japanese the the animals whatever they were all pretty solid sort of characters and yeah, yeah, the yeah. the enemies were all like yeah like, they were just like <laughs> all like flopping, flopping around everywhere. and yeah, like they were. very flexible and like you know the the jap a good a good uh, opposite to the the rigid sort of, you know, fucking Momotaro is just like always kind of standing, like a proud sort of general. Right, right. He's all that. <laughs> Speaking of those those just little moments that you liked with the animation, there's the one moment where they're about to fly off to war, and I think the bunny or something like stands up out of the cockpit and like opens up his arms just for like this small little part and then it cuts to something else and i it was like the greatest shit i had me fucking rolling because he was just like accepting the fucking cheers of the, of the <laughs> yeah. animals around him yeah, yeah. <laughs> i loved that shit you didn't notice that um I don't remember that. I might have noticed it at the time oh, and just man. like been overwhelmed by the the yeah. myriad other things. That There's go a lot, on. yeah. There's like a lot the of squirrels waving their tails goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. There was a 
yeah, lots of weird, goofy things. And yeah, that's something, um, something else that booklet mentions of the, the alphabet Man, this, song. This is one hell of a booklet. Yeah, it, it's a little tiny thing, and it's just packed with little uh, Holy shit. interesting factoids. What a booklet. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, what is this, Funimation that put this out? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Funimation. And, uh, Thanks I for think the in booklet. like the first page or so, it, it has the author of the booklet. Is some uh, author of the booklet? It should be right in that first. Helen McCarthy Helen at McCarthy least wrote right this. Uh, this is so. It's just or at one. Least most thing. of it. Yeah. Oh no, there's two there, things. I think there might be thing. another author of some of it. Mika Tomita. Yeah. Tomita. Tomita. Yeah. It's probably pretty. Tomita. Yeah. Tomita. Tomita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this little dude. Yeah. Just a happy little face. Yeah, it's it's just it's they, yeah. Everybody's so cutesy and happy. And it's such a weird juxtaposition when they're because the, they always look like that. Yeah, no, they're And then always... they're just sitting in there with like this machine gun turret and it's then the machine gun turret is like so realistic looking. Like yeah. all of the actual military equipment is so realistically d- drawn. Yeah. And with these little cutesy cartoon characters, it's just such a bizarre uh, counterpoint and right i there was a part where like during that uh the war raid they all parachute down and uh they drop the supply drop and yeah they, that thing was cool when yeah. they open that up and they take out like the fucking hay or cotton or whatever the whatever fuck was at the top it, yeah. of that <laughs> they like open it up and it looked like it was a like a photograph almost it was so realistic of all those yeah, guns and I, shit in there they're so detailed on the guns yeah. and yeah they really wanted to hammer home guns jesus yeah but yeah but speaking yeah, of yeah. that fucking that ending with the the war scene yeah that was, that was pretty fucking dope yeah that was, that was, that was some action packed yeah that was a I fun scene yeah. yeah i mean never mind that they're theoretically killing americans but <laughs> right <laughs> god damn it was thrilling yeah and then you got a little popeye cameo there it was yeah <laughs> that was hilarious popeye and fucking bluto too yeah yeah kicked was... his ass he didn't have no more spinach yeah he was out of spinach what could he do <laughs> yeah he was like no it's gone i have to surrender <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, got, you gotta have better supply lines, man. You yeah, gotta, man. Yeah. Gotta keep Popeye supplied with spinach, or yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, I was going to mention the the alphabet song when they're singing yeah. that. It was uh, it was kind of like a, a it, and it's not terribly clear in the movie. Uh, you you piece it together from context, but it's like the Japanese animal people are in this Pacific Island and there's the native animal people that yes. we're teaching. So it's kind of right. like we're, we're, we're educating these, uh, oh, yeah. un- uneducated, uh, heathen barbarian kind of, uh, right. <laughs> these, these native cultures that don't know anything and don't have technology. And we're, we're bestowing upon them knowledge and <laughs> the greatness of the Japanese language. Yeah. And, and of course they're all eager to learn and, and right. happy to receive this blessing. <laughs> of course, like, like any, native savages would be to accept this wonderful gift of, of a uh, completely foreign language and culture being yes. enforced on them yeah because yeah god knows they don't have their own <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of and that's something that isn't necessarily obvious as you watch the film no but that, it, it's definitely there it, it pointed it out to me in the book i'm like yeah 
yeah, I, I can see that. It's not like hammered the way I would right. in obvious terms that you might expect from. But it's it's uh, it's subversive. It's very it's subtle about it, and that's why right. like uh, these little kids, are, you know, they take that in, and not not that the kids are going to take it in in the way that it's meant to take it in. Right. You know, like Tezuka took it in, and uh, he's pretty fucking anti-war. So <laughs> yeah, he was pretty. <laughs> you know, and I think there's a there was just that nature that that attitude. I think just got pushed into the Japanese people because the war was so harsh that yeah no amount of propaganda is going to overcome the fact that you're freaking starving because I mean yeah I mean we had rationing here in America but but not they, they yeah. were even worse off in Japan and you know they were freaking sick and tired of that shit by the time the war was over right and, and that's like um in 45 was when we dropped the atomic bombs too that was right, that right. was like August and there's there's got to be a, a th- this is a very inter- interesting irony in that when they take over the island, Momotaro is like, we won't accept anything but uncon- unconditional surrender. Yeah. And what happens, like, <laughs> you know, that's. Right. The U.S. was pretty uh, hell bent on unconditional surrender. And, right, right. And was part of why Japan held out as long as it did was because there was. Uh, that was the demand was unconditional we're we're not no you're not coming to the peace treaty and making demand yeah. and, and we're not making a deal here you're going to do whatever the hell we say and, and yeah that <laughs> doesn't strike me as something the japanese people would want to do like <laughs> they seem like a very proud right right people and they want to control uh, their destiny and yeah so that was uh and from what I've heard, it's oddly enough, it was the Cold War that uh, brought Japan around <laughs> as much as anything. It was, oh, okay. it was the fact that uh, the U.S. was taking over and going, we're going to enforce democracy on you. And if Japan kept resisting, it would have been the Russians coming in and enforcing oh, okay. uh, socialism and communism on them. And so it was basically they realized they had a choice. We're going to either be conquered by America and be a democracy or we're going to be conquered by Russia and be a communist state. And wow, that would be a very different Japan. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that was cuz at that time, you know, Germany was gone. Russia no longer had its western front to deal with with right. Germany and it was moving its whole army to the east to tackle oh. Japan. And so it was just a matter of time before they got the army across the entire freaking continent. But, right, right. So it was going to take them a while, but if Japan had struggled and held out further, it would have been, uh, Japan would have probably wound up like Germany did, getting split up between yeah. Russia and America and duking it out. In the, and so Jesus, a part of... Sayonara, uh, Japan. Yeah, it would have been a very different situation wow. in the world today. Yes, for sure. Oh my God! Yeah, who, yeah, that would be very different. Oh well, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I, 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 I don't know. Japan's uh, doing good stuff. Yeah, I think they've uh, come a long way from conquering Asia to yeah, for sure, being yeah. a f- rather peaceful country. So, it, yeah, it's always struck me as very weird of just how brutal world war ii was as the war and on all sides like yeah i mean we were not particularly good guys per se it was i mean 
you could say Hitler right. was the dark end of it, but there really wasn't a whole lot of like it wasn't good versus evil. It was like <laughs> kind of morally ambiguous versus evil. And, yeah. Yeah, and, no, I I thought about that when I was watching this movie about the idea of that there's good guys and bad guys in war and it was just like like obviously I know that, you know, like real life is not, it's not <laughs> so that hard dry, line. Right. Yeah, but but it just I did make me think about it. I guess because it was all animals here, so I think of animals as being relatively good <laughs> if, if they're going right. to be aligned. And yeah, just yeah, it was just like I don't know. This is yeah, uh, it's it's always kind of struck me as odd that that's just like out of that war we yeah we that really kind of changed everything. Like we talked about like the rationing and stuff. Like you don't we don't fight wars like that anymore. Right. We, we don't put the entire country's resources behind something and yeah i mean the objectives of war have changed so thoroughly of we're no longer out to like just eradicate a country or take it over it's like the goal in like the iraq wars is a completely different goal than the goal of world war ii right and the goal of vietnam even was you know it's it's after world war ii all of the wars have been about like stabilizing a country rather than right and argue as much as you want about whether we're doing it in the right way or not (laughs) right the goal the actual objective that we are theoretically working towards has been a very different kind of a thing Uh, there's been a lot more emphasis on avoiding civilian casualties yeah Um, and part of why the iraq wars have been so confounding and frustrating is because of that because we don't just go in and carpet bomb an entire freaking city into the dirt and wipe out thousands of right right you know i mean there's there's you know we get these news reports of like oh a hundred civilians were killed and it's like oh that's horrible and then you like look at freaking hiroshima and you know it's like or um dresden in germany i think more civilians died in that city than both the atomic bombs combined and it was just like you know what the hell we're talking hundreds of thousands of dead civilians in the like as just collateral damage and you know now we get pissy about a dozen and it's like just the nature of how we conduct war has changed so much from world war ii and i think it kind of directly comes from World War II that we kind of decided to fight wars in that in this way now. Yeah, it's well, it's it's just so weird to think of just how brutal World War II was, and that we came out of it deciding to do something very. Yeah, different. I feel like before, like old school war, before machine guns and planes and shit. I mean, it's very personal. One guy has a sword and another guy has a sword or right. you know like civil war you're a bunch of guys and you're just marching forward and <laughs> you know like it's not a lot you know like civilians are, how, how does a civilian get killed in there you know there's not a civilian running in the middle of the civil war battle right um and then as as explosives and all this you know machine guns and everything like it became more like oh yeah. And then it you know, spiraled out of control, and then we're fucking murdering a hundred thousand people, you know. <laughs> right. And then so now we're kind of theoretically toning it back down, toning to, it down. To, the, you know, in theory, yeah. yeah. Whether we're 
succeeding at that or not. Right, right. But yeah, it's a huh. it's just a, a weird thing. It seems World War Two was for some reason the tipping point there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a very, very big part of history for a reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was uh, we had um, what was the Marshall Plan? We're rebuilding Europe, and you know, what war has that ever happened in before? Where the where suddenly after the war, like the invading nation suddenly goes, we're going to rebuild all of your infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not all of it or whatever, but you know, there's just right, this idea right. of we're going to just build the place back up. We're going to devote our resources to reestablishing society. Like when did that ever happen? And yeah, if, if I, it did, it was like, this is our territory. Now you are our like it was either conquering or you just went in kicked ass and left and said see ya bitches and right but i mean it just, europe was so fucking destroyed right <laughs> and part of me my 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 so. conspiracy brain wants to think my <laughs> my fucking evil corporations wants me to think like well that during the war all these corporations producing all these things you know had grown theoretically and they wanted to keep building stuff, so they're like, "Oh, well, we can build over there. Let's get those fucking building contracts. So, yeah, let's we rebuild Europe, <laughs> you know." And then they keep working and making more money. It's a war profiteer sort of thing, or maybe aftermath. I, mean, I am profiteer. I am very cynical minded. Yeah. So I am, I am open to that possibility. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that happened, but uh, yeah, it's, it's very possible. Yeah, I I wouldn't put it past people's greed to right. do something like that to take advantage of any situation <laughs> right in, in order to make a buck <laughs> um in regards to the end of world war ii in japan i also wanted to say that the uh kinji fukusaku uh, battles without honor and humanity yakuza movies mm -hmm. the first one begins right after world war ii oh, huh. and it's basically these uh Japanese soldiers that are now like what the fuck do we do mm. and they become yeah, there was... they become these yakuza families and uh and very much that first movie but there's a couple like in the second one a little bit too where these uh the aftermath of the war and and all that like plays very vividly into those stories hmm. yeah i don't know if that's uh entirely truthful like i don't know was right, there right. yakuza before that or was it uh were they growing exponentially directly after the war i don't know but uh yeah hmm. it's a big part of those movies so you should check those out yeah point. yeah i'm gonna have to have to watch those yeah <clears throat> Any more uh, Peach Connections? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe if we want to transition into the uh, the short film that also came on this DVD. Yeah, you watched that Spider too? Spider and Tulip. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a... Uh, it could have been shorter, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah it, it did not need to be as long as it was. You're right. Yeah, not that it's long, but I mean, 16 minutes for that, it seemed like... Uh, okay, yeah, come it on. It could have been 10. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, was a, that was a, made for a couple of years before. 43. Right, that was a, a few years earlier. Not 
directly with the war as uh, Momotaro is. In, yeah, no, that's yeah. I mean, you can really... kind of uh, interpret it in ways, but you it could. would be interpretation rather than uh, you could because the the spider was like a blackface spider, right? Right, he and like uh, a... the 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 ladybug was kind of a kind of a Japanese, yeah. Kind of traditional japanese girl or something yeah yeah and it's uh and that i think is where uh that booklet was talking about like the the japanese perception of the west invading was yeah. in reference to that short film of being oh, okay. this, this idea of japan being this little ladybug wandering around and there's this weird strange looking foreigners right. coming in and enticingly and threateningly and <laughs> And being this kind of uh, this kind of culture uh, representation of the cultural outlook at the time, uh, right? And well, I know that that Japan and China as well both have like this. Uh, I don't know about now. I mean, in China for sure, still now, but but they have a uh, racism towards black people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of like seventies Japanese movies that are like are specifically about that. Hmm. Where like the like mixed race p- people are, are looked down upon as like a third class citizen or something. Hmm. So I found it interesting that uh, the representation of the West was a like a blackface kind of guy. Yeah, because yeah, uh... definitely, I mean, in the forties. I mean, we're still segregated, and oh, black yeah, people yeah. don't have rights and yeah that was before the civil rights movement yeah so King it's like all that like the uh the choice there was you know not that i'm gonna come to any sort of understanding of it but it just it's interesting yeah it's a it's a sign of the times yeah of, yeah of the past times that we are no longer in but right like yeah i don't know how how japan is with with uh black people now i know that china is still real like yeah I'm they like they uh the the posters for the new star wars like they don't put john boyega <laughs> the black guy yeah. in, they don't put him on the posters for the chinese posters because mm-hmm. the chinese people theoretically won't go if there's a black guy in the poster yeah and and just thinking to anime there's there's very rarely black characters right but yeah at the same time i think it's like there's very rarely non-japanese characters at all anyway like it's yeah yeah i mean japan is a very homogenous society there are very few non-japanese living in japan it's yeah. like i think like maybe less than a percent of the population oh, wow. is not japanese and I think like ninety nine percent of the non Japanese are like Korean. It's like there's, oh, okay. I mean, it's not, or maybe it was China. I don't know. There's, there's a particular. I think it's yeah. I think it's Korean that is like the majority of huh. the not Japanese population, not native Japanese. Right. Um. So it's like it's just something they don't have as a part of their society. Yeah, and, it makes and, sense. I mean, yeah, so it's like a, I don't expect them to be putting in this kind of right. uh, cultural diversity that we kind of expect from American film and stuff, or at least ask of American film from time to time. Yeah, like, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we are definitely a more diverse uh, nation, for sure. Right. So, it's, uh, so it's kind of a rarity to see it in anime. 
oddly enough, uh, where I tend to see it more often than other places is in Osamu Tezuka works. Oh, really? That he tends to uh, have black characters every once in a while. What a uh, guy. Yeah. And <laughs> well, I should say, are they, are they uh, negative or? <laughs> no, it's kind of, it's weird. I've seen, I can't remember which one it was. There was something of his where he had black characters and they're portrayed with very like exaggerated african features like okay. it's it's and so there was like this note like an editor's note at the beginning of the thing like no he's not like don't like please don't call us racist for right, <laughs> like right. because it's it's shown in a way that like it emphasizes the traditional african features okay. of big lips and like that and there and he draws them differently than i've seen them in other anime where it's like he draws like they've that like genuinely black because he's drawing manga it's black and white okay and they will just be black so yeah like it's solid it's it's not a gray it's right, just right. solid black and it's but they look very tezuka character they're, they're very tezuka character designs okay. it's like any of his character designs it's very obvious that you're looking at a tezuka character and it was like it was kind of weird it's like and he tried to to have uh, different cultures in his stuff when he when it seemed appropriate. He would use other cultures as characters in his stuff. I think generally what I've seen of him, he's using it very respectfully. He's yeah. he just wants to include these other cultures in his. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't sense any uh, racist uh, motivation right. behind it. It's just he wanted to have a more diverse cast, and he or he wanted to tell a story that involved people from other countries, and he well, wanted nice. to represent them, uh, and just have them be characters in the work. And he was going to uh, show them as being that of that culture or of that race, and so oh, he was okay, going yeah. to. Uh, so he, it was like kind of deliberately emphasizing the facial features that you associate with black people right but he was not doing that to be like mocking of it but yeah, to okay. be like this is a black dude right right he, celebrate <laughs> it yeah it was more of just a a way and you look at any of his character designs and they've all got exaggerated features of some sort or another there's uh -huh. always like they're always distinctive looking and in their own ways they've got yeah. like weird noses or weird something like there you see it in osama tezuka character and you just know who it freaking is okay. it's like it's they're very distinct you know astro boy's got his weird goofy hairdo Every, yeah, you know, yeah everybody's yeah. got something that is he he tends to draw these characters that are just very exaggerated in some way or another just to identify them just to be distinctive characters and okay. so when he puts black characters in there he does the same with them right and I, I don't think it's meant to be in any kind of insulting or racist way. It's just, uh, this is the guy. Right. Accept him. He's there. Yeah, he's, okay. he's a dude. <laughs> like just, And he has his point in the story, and that's what he's there to do, and he's just visually distinctive. But, so that's about, that's kind of most of where I've seen black people featured yeah. in anime. Okay. I mean, there's a few other weird things. I know there's a it's an uh, like a black exploitation episode in Cowboy Bebop where they oh, uh, wow. they kind of make fun of black exploitation films or something. Where wow. Cowboy Bebop itself is very much just kind of uh, poking fun at uh, Hollywood 
kind yeah. of thing. So it's like one of the episodes they like have these over the top black exploitation characters running around with like bazookas and <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> there's this whole like there's a whole big inv- th- episode there. But yeah, it's a uh, it was fun and humorous and weird and huh. and that I think less playing to race more than just the film style yeah, of okay. black exploitation of just taking that style and uh, I'm just running with it in bizarre comedy ways as that show tends to do. All right. But yeah, every once in a rare while a black character will show up. Uh, Macross had a black character. uh, Claudia, she was uh, I guess first mate of the Macross. Well, there you go. And there was nothing really specific about her. She was just there doing her job and just Well, that's good. So there was she was just, yeah, she was just <laughs> there you go. Um and what the anime that I think deals with it most directly is actually Nadia, which is actually done by the people who did Evangelion. Okay. It was an earlier T V show they did. And that one, the main character of Nadia is actually a black girl who is uh some kind of circus acrobat and winds up getting involved in weird submarine madness and <laughs> it, it's a okay. weird show I've, yeah i'm well, actually having trouble describing the show in general but right you could probably say that about most anime it, a lot it's of kind of weird you know, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah nadia i'm kind of trying to pin down to an actual thing it's mostly like a submarine thing where they yeah they kind of go on this submarine and go around the world having submarine adventures yeah huh okay uh, it's it's a series that was a, about a season too long. <laughs> Not that it should have stopped earlier. It's just that the content all should have been compressed into a, oh, okay. a smaller segment. It was it was one of those that made me wish I could just edit out about a third of it and be left with the actual story without padding yeah. and just have a good story, but. Well, if you're determined enough, you could edit your own version. I could. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you'd have to be pretty into that show to want to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not sure it was that good that I wanted to spend that kind of time with it. But it just just felt like things were just like, oh, come on, get on with it. (laughs) And I feel like the story was perfectly fine, just a little too long-winded. Except for that, yeah, all the padding. Yeah, it just... I felt like if I had reduced every episode by like a third or so of the worthless stuff, it would have wow. just been a tighter, condensed Jeez. story. And that's not even one of the bad ones. <laughs> wow. Like, Gantz is like ten times worse. Jesus. And that's that's only a two-season show in the first place. It could have probably could have been done in like five episodes or something. <laughs> But how are they going to make money on five yeah, episodes? Yeah, I know. It's uh, I don't know. You got to stretch this out. Come yeah, got to got to have him stare at that guy for a, a minute and <laughs> just pad this shit out for no reason. I wonder, like, what is the? Is that like um, influence of Western culture coming in? Because like. In in the U.S., I mean, we just keep these fucking shows going for. I think Simpsons is on like season twenty some fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> you know. know. And, like I mean, you just I, keep it going, and it's like I kind of think that's not it because that's because American TV is like each episode is gonna be 
like because it's an episode by episode thing it's like usually yeah because like in anime when it's padded it's like it's the episode that's padded it's right like it's it's like you go in and not much happens in that episode right like you go into a simpsons episode and yeah it's 20 plus years going but there's still a bunch of crap happening in that's an episode true. that's true a, a better example would be the walking dead have you, have you ever watched <laughs> i've the not watched dead? that one so okay so the walking dead you've seen game of thrones yeah so game of thrones 10 episodes a season basically except for the last season um and they tell a story. Mm-hmm. It's pretty packed. Right. And uh, even in 10 episodes, there are times in Game of Thrones where I think, like, uh, come on, can we <laughs> can we move on a little bit more on this storyline? So The Walking Dead is generally 17 or 18, I think, mm. episodes. And they stretch the shit out of some of this stuff. <laughs> and... Uh, for whatever reason, uh, other than uh, like, I don't know why. Why couldn't they just make ten? Why, you know, like right? It's, like, I don't. I, I think there's probably it's probably more like that, but it's it's just in anime. It's so weird because it'll just be like somebody will throw a punch, and then they'll be like five minutes of describing why the punch either worked or didn't work because this guy knows this technique and he's this yeah. Thing. And it'll just be like, dude, just freaking have a fight. <laughs> hmm. And then, like, they'll glare at each other for a minute and just, like, I hate your guts. And I hate yours, too. And they'll just sit there for, like, a minute, like, just sitting there. And then you'll, like, the episode will end. And yeah. then it'll start up the next week by recapping five minutes of the previous episode where nothing happened anyway. And Jesus it's, Christ. like, when it gets really bad in anime, it's just, like, it's it's down to just every single scene is just poofed for no it, it's more like b movies in america where it's just right, like okay the scene that just never fucking ends because they needed to <laughs> f- f- fill out the runtime to yeah, be yeah. a f- theatrical length production it's more like that and, and it's it's literally just padding it for length not for it's like but but like what i don't understand is why like okay b movies padded out to be feature length get it i don't like it but that's the way it is right but like uh, a show just don't make so many fucking episodes <laughs> like why don't <laughs> yeah that you know yeah, that i can't particularly answer other than uh on the times when they are uh overtaking the manga where the manga is still in production and they're going oh shit we're at the right the point where the manga author has gotten to we don't have more content <laughs> Well, what are we going to do? Let's just pad the shit out of it and give the manga artist time to actually. <laughs> get but why don't they just do a manga that's already fucking done? Like, why do uh, they have to do these ones that are like uh, in the that's, middle? It's that's just, just a, probably just cross promotion. of. It's yeah, a big thing right now. True, Everybody's into true. it. We got to strike while the iron's hot. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I and, guess, and a lot of times like Dragon Ball Z is still going. I mean, the manga's still going. The anime's still going. That shit's been going on since the 80s. It hasn't slowed down. Like, (laughs) how are you going to take that and just be like, well, we're going to wait till it's done and then start? (laughs) Well, with that, at least, I mean, you can, if you started at the beginning, you could, you're not necessarily going to catch up to 30 years of manga, you know, like. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but and that one, I think I've I've actually heard that one. The episodes do actually go on a chapter by like each episode oh, is okay. actually a cha- adapting a chapter. And it's just the chapter could have been adapted in like ten minutes, but okay. they've got a half hour episode, and they're gonna fucking balloon the shit out of yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, that doesn't make any. And sense. And it's that is my big problem with anime is when it goes that route. Yeah, kind of ruins the whole damn thing. I just I would like somebody to explain that, like why couldn't they just do three chapters in an episode in thirty minutes, and you know, like why why does it have to be one chapter an episode and then we yeah, just stretch I, it out yeah that i guess is just for the whole overtaking everything and it's 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 all just marketing but it's if they got 30 that, years of manga they're never gonna overtake anything yeah they started after 30 years but they're they started after like a few years <laughs> huh they've so been fuck- they've been running pretty that's just so fucking weird to yeah me. It, it doesn't make any I mean, sense Urusei Yatsura, at least for the first few seasons, did a better job of it, where they would do two chapters an episode. Yeah. So there would be there would be two episodes in an episode. So you'd have an episode for yeah. like 10, 15 minutes, then you'd have the commercial break, and then you'd and come back, and it would totally be another episode, and another oh, ten weird. minute episode. So the first couple of seasons of Urusei yeah. Yatsura were like, and then eventually like, no, we'll make full half hour episodes. Huh. I think that was. Um, Mamoru Oshii's uh, influence on that he might have uh, that was when he was directing it he was doing that part of it okay and I think after he left might have been when it uh, started going to half hour episodes instead hmm. of 15 minute episodes two at a time it's just it's I don't know like I want to understand <laughs> I mean I I get the they don't want to overtake it okay but then the, the the choice to then go from there to let's just pad the episode. And if it's like you're saying, I mean, the Dragon Ball, and they're just staring at each other and they're yelling at each yeah. other. Like, how does anybody watch that? And then so the, there's I, like there's big I've, fans of that shit. Yeah, yeah. One so Piece then, does this. I'm a little more familiar with One Piece because I actually tried to watch that and, and gave up because it was doing that. And yeah, it was. But, but people watch it. They like it. Why don't they have a problem with it? <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, See, I don't know why I'm the only one who has a problem with it. But right, um, it makes me curious I, I to watch this Dragon Ball stuff because I'm mean, not that I actually want to watch it, but like I'm curious to just to see it. I think for like, me, what it's like. I've kind of always equated it to what I don't like about horror, and in, in that dragging out of the tension. Yeah, and that's, yeah. And in anime, they're definitely trying to do that, where it's like you throw this punch and it's like, and then it'll like cut to commercial and then it'll come back from commercial and it'll show them po- throwing the punch again just to pad it up. But it's right. it's building up that tension of, oh, what's going to happen? Right. Oh, who's going to win this fight? Uh, oh, the hero is like he threw his punch, his, like, his ultimate badass move and the bad guy blocked it. Oh, how is he going to... St- how is he going to overcome the right, bad guy's right. defenses? And then it's it's just it's building up that tension of what's he going to do? I don't know. How is he going to pull it off? And then <laughs> and so it it ratchets up the tension to absurdity, right? And it just like a horror scene of the monster creeping up on somebody, and oh, he's he's getting closer. 
he's getting closer. He's getting closer still. And it's just like, so it's, it's that same feeling that I get watching yeah. or it. So for me, at least it gives me that same feeling of right. like, they're just dragging this out in order to build up tension okay. in a way that does not work for me. So maybe it is just me and maybe you would watch it and be like, Oh God, <laughs> like, is that punch going to work? <laughs> I don't right. know. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to watch it. I wonder if it plays better with commercials because uh, theoretically you probably maybe. saw it without commercials. And, and maybe plays better on a weekly basis where you watch an episode and then you have to wait a week before right, the next right, episode comes out. So right. maybe it plays better in in that way. Yeah. but You don't notice it as much or something? Yeah, or it's the recapping of endlessly recapping is... right more appropriate because it's been a week and you've forgotten what the hell was going on and it needs right, to reset right. the mood and draw you back into that yeah. mood remember this fight that was you know five minutes and they threw a couple punches remember and this okay yeah yeah here we you, are remember how uh, tense you were at the end of that well we gotta <laughs> we gotta ratchet that back get you back into that that right. mood of being tense and now we can let go with another two punches <laughs> and <laughs> jesus uh the the sadistic part of me wants to say, well, let's do a podcast. Let's watch a, a season. <laughs> Shit, we could do a podcast while watching the season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well. Yeah. Um, so... Spider and Tulip, we kind of yeah, go. yeah, but yeah. yeah, that's a little bit padded, so then we go off the deep end. We yeah, padded we, we our padded, own episode. Yeah, we, we we did our own. <laughs> We've become what we hate. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what I was going to mention about that is uh, yeah, one more juicy tidbit from the booklet. This booklet, man, yeah, it's uh, what this a was, treasure trove. This was apparently also a very <laughs> inspirational film to Tezuka, who oh, watched it. That in theaters when it had a one week uh Man, release of Tezuka was fucking getting out. Yeah. And uh, another curious thing, it was also inspiring to a young Leiji Matsumoto who also saw it in that exact same week in wow. the one theater it was running at for a week. With, well look at that. And they two apparently two lucky guys and they became uh, fucking giants of anime. Yeah. And, and manga. Yeah. So uh, apparently uh, Matsumoto made some th some story, and Tezuka saw it and was like, and they met, and he was like, "Dude, I, I like that story." It's like, like that was a really cool story. And Matsumoto was like, "Yeah, I I, I kind of was inspired by this short little film oh, that I saw that. as a kid in this rinky dink theater during the war." And Tezuka was like, "Well, holy shit, I was there. I watched that too." And so they were like, "Oh, that's cool." Both there at the same time without ever knowing it until wow, later. And look at that. So yeah. So, hey, yeah, Matsumoto, another big name in the industry, too. Yeah. Get inspired by these uh, wartime animation projects. And yeah. Yeah, he's a big one with the uh, with Tezuka shit. Yeah. They're, big, they're big guys. Yeah. probably t the two biggest of the post-war era, anyway, of that immediate time frame. And Matsumoto, more specifically... Uh, makes works uh not specific not exactly about it but it, it's specifically inspiring by the war and uh, japan's status after the war and things like oh, okay. harlock is 
uh, can be seen as uh, kind of an allegory of oh, Japan okay. after the war and, and that Earth gets taken over by aliens and Harlock is this one holdout out in space who just can't accept that this, <laughs> that the Earth has changed as the way it has. Oh, and, wow. he, he, and there's there's a, a kind of a, a feeling of that in, in post-war Japan. And there's some... Uh, was an interesting story about a Japanese guy who... Uh, he was a soldier in the war and... He was ordered to go to whatever island and just be basically he was just going to be a guerrilla fighter. Yeah. And as the Americans had taken over and he was just going to fight back. And uh, he was still doing this in the 70s. He, he never quit. He never Jesus. gave like he just kept fucking going and living off of the land and oh my God. running around in the jungle like on his own. And he was like he just he refused to freaking quit. He was like wow. he was he. He eventually, like sometime in the seventies or something, went back to Japan and Jesus, was seven, like, I mean, that's yeah, thirty years. Yeah, left he or? was like this old guy Holy by then, fuck. just running around, and it was like this whole big thing. Like this, this dude's still fucking out there. What the hell? Oh my god! And yeah, I guess uh, yeah, he he was not happy when he came home and and found that he'd been spending 30 years of just wasting his life away right, doing yeah. nothing for an empire that no longer existed and it's crazy <laughs> what the fuck was he doing out there <laughs> oh my god but yeah there's he, like that he might as well have been captain harlock i mean he it's was crazy just yeah it was uh but yeah there's there was kind of that that sentiment of japan has changed so much like, yeah and, Wow. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Yeah, yeah this is a, been a very history steeped episode here. Yeah. How much is actually true? <laughs> are we making this? A, are we speculating on this history? No. We're, we're uh, vaguely knowledgeable about this yeah, stuff. I'm a sure. little, a little bit knowledgeable. We, there are actual true facts. There are true facts that that I can attest to. I did look up some dates and things about the war, so I, I can, I, you know, like whatever I said previously is is all true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. Yeah, an interesting uh, contrast to uh, Ip Man when we. And that's view of uh, Japan in the war. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Anytime you uh, come from the Chinese side, the the Japanese people are going to be the bad guys. Yeah, which is, uh, yeah, I think that film had gotten me kind of like, oh, what was Japan? Like, they had, like, you don't go and invade a place and be like, we're total assholes, yeah! You know, you have some kind of, like, <laughs> reasoning of why you're doing this. And yeah, I don't... And so I... I don't remember what that... that you know, that that film specifically just kind of got me thinking, like, what were they do? Like, what yeah. was the, you know, how were they selling this? What was the the spin of how to make this uh -huh. justifiable? And uh, did you figure it out or? Well, I guess uh, that's what this whole movie was, was the okay. was the what that was the spin they were putting on. it. Yeah. Was okay. the, we're, we're liberating everything from the West and it's horrible. uh 
anti-Asian. Even when they took out China, when they're trying to take over China, you think they're trying to eradicate the Western influence? Because that was definitely a thing in China. But yeah, I think that I mean that might have been the the way it was sold. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously not the true objective, right, but like right. the the way they were going. Hey, we're uh, we're gonna do this huh, because okay. it's good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you've got to have the what makes this good right although it kind of it's a kind of a uh, backwards irony of we're, we're going to end this uh western imperialism by uh imposing our own imperialism right <laughs> like, right that's that's like well <laughs> yeah they're trying to basically stamp out the the Chinese you know, you, uh, culture. Whenever stuff. you get into this weird kind of propaganda, it kind of hits a logical dead end if yeah. you uh, follow the trail to its conclusion. It's uh, kind of like a silver emulsion podcast. It's just <laughs> it's always kind of hits a logical dead end at some point. <laughs> Where we're just like, well, you got anything else to say? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm out. <laughs> like, <laughs> just wrap this shit up. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So um, yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm glad I got this little window into the yeah, it's cool. World War II history. It's cool. It was uh, definitely. Uh, I I was worried that it might be hard to watch. Like yeah, I was wondering just how hard it would go into. Yeah, like a maybe it would be boring or maybe it would just be. I don't know. Like I'm not gonna be offended or anything, but just I don't know. I just was kind of. Like, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah like, what what is this <laughs> going to be? It? Yeah. As a, and it turned out to be much more artistically inspired than uh, yes, for I sure. would have and, ever imagined. And entertaining. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a, it's quality. Yeah. It was uh, enjoyable. The animals helped, I'm sure. It, if yeah, it was all yeah. people, I'd probably yeah, be a little more a, tuned out than the animals. They yeah, kept they, me interested. They were definitely very creative and... and <laughs> <laughs> fun to watch yeah um, so it, it aimed at kids but it definitely helped me as well so <laughs> i don't know what that says about my <laughs> mental state but hey, uh, <laughs> you can be a kid again watch uh, uh, yeah <laughs> watch some japanese propaganda become a kid again <laughs> all right uh any any other musings on yeah, I think we've, Japanese uh, propaganda. Yeah, I'm gonna, gonna call out a rap. I'm gonna call it a rap. I will also call it a rap. And uh, say adios. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. <laughs> <laughs> story. <laughs> to understand, you'd have to be Japanese.